Hey, it's Carl and Laura Forehand. And you're listening to the Messy Spirituality Podcast. There's been explosive growth the last couple of years in the number of people who say they are deconstructing their faith. Predictably, this has gotten some pushback from religious leaders like Matt Chandler, the Gospel Coalition, as well as bloggers like Alyssa Childers and many, many others. As I started to think about some of the -the over-the-top pushback aimed at people who are deconstructing, I knew exactly who I wanted to have that conversation with about why that is taking place. So my co-hosts for this episode are no strangers to spiritual nomads. Matthew J. DiStefano is a prolific author, columnist, and podcaster. His most recent book is entitled The Genesis of Violence, which you need to check out. It's awesome. Keith Giles is another prolific author, columnist, and podcaster. And his latest book is entitled Jesus Unarmed, How the Prince of Peace Disarms Our Violence. Matthew and Keith are two of the four ho-hosts of the Heretic Happy Hour podcast, and they are also the hosts of the newly relaunched Apostates Anonymous podcast, which is one of my favorites. Guys, welcome. Wow. Thank you so much, Jason. Always, always great to be with you um, on on this podcast. And believe it or not, I'm really excited about doing this uh, with my friend, Matt. What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> well, because because I think people look Matt Matt and I will quite often. I'm just, I'm just gonna. I think people know this. Like we we kind of put on that we we pick on each other, right? Like, uh, but we love each other. So like I know some. I don't know if people get it because as Matt, as you've noticed, people are immune to things like satire and sarcasm and things like that. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I, I wonder about that because. <laughs> I, we do make fun of each other a lot in jest, of course. I only yes. do it because I love you. But I've been writing a lot of satire lately, and I'm realizing, uh-oh. I, yeah. I, think, it's, I think it's lost on some people. <laughs> I know it is, yes. I've noticed it as well. Um, when I, I don't do it as often. You, you lately have been on a roll, and you, it's great. I've been loving uh, this series of uh, you know, blogs, posts you've been doing. But at the times that I have done satire, I've gotten the exact same thing. I've had people get angry at me and literally like unfriend me because they thought I was serious. And I was like, it's a joke. I'm, you know, I can't believe I have to tell you it. It's a joke. But yeah, well, yeah. since we're taking over Jason's show, um, I'll say that I wrote a recent piece about um, a time traveler who comes yes. back, who yes. comes back, and someone was like, dude, where are the sources on this? And I'm like, it's a time traveler. It's obviously not real. Right, right, dude, this is great. Is this where where, magazine? Where's your source? I Googled it and I couldn't find it. <laughs> I wonder why. Uh, hashtag fake news. Yes. yes, so much fake news. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So Keith, when um, when I sent the message to the two of you inviting you to co-host this podcast with me, and you private privately responded, Matthew, God no, hell no, you were just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. Because we're, you know, Son we have we have. Fun. So that was satire. That was that was okay. yes. Okay. Uh, right. Yeah, tongue yeah. in cheek. So Matt, right, Matt and I have a lot of fun. Like you know, like if I ever post anything about my books, how well they're, well they're doing on Amazon, you know, Matt will do post little like a a gif of an eye roll or something or who cares <laughs> or or like if he posts you know hey my my books are 99 cents on kindle i'll say worth every penny you know like it's, 
It's a joke. It's just a it's a real. It's really just a brilliant marketing scheme because really I mean, people are attracted to drama, and if you can create right. it out of nothing, <laughs> then you can drive book sales. It hasn't worked for us, but we're still trying. <laughs> yes, that's right. We we're believe it. We believe in the system. Somehow it's going to work eventually. We just got to keep doing it. Yes. <laughs> well, consistency is the key. Yes. So that's what they say. Well, I know you guys won't give up. All right. So, honest to God, first thing I thought of when I heard Matt Chandler talk about deconstruction being the sexy thing of the moment, kind of the it movement. Uh, I was like, wow, he's obviously seen Matt DeStefano's ab pics on Instagram. Mm, you're goddamn right he has. <laughs> David, thirst trap right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's exactly that's exactly what I thought. When I, when, I, when I heard Matt Chandler say that, I thought, well, you know what? He's, he's not completely wrong because, you know, we are pretty sexy. So, yeah. <laughs> Every dang one of us. That's Absolutely. Right. We're, also, we're all pretty sexy. So why in the world are religious leaders having such a strong reaction to the deconstruction movement? Oh, great one. Well, I, I, my, my guess is that it's because it's all of a sudden they realize it's not going to go away. It's not just a handful of people here and there. They're probably now starting like, you know, if they're pastoring a church, they're actually seeing numbers uh, drop off. Now suddenly they're realizing this is this is real and it's not going away and they don't know what to do about it. And the funny thing is they don't realize that they're the cause of it. Like the reason why people are leaving is pretty much because of them. And I think that's why they, that's, um, well, for one, they don't understand it. And that's why then they demonize it and say it's sexy or they say, um, oh man, it was the gospel coalition. I forget. Josh Harris, maybe Joshua Harris said something about the fact that, um, we do it for street cred as if like, it's, it's like the cool hip thing to, to do. And I mean, goodness, maybe, maybe there's one person who's done that, but most of us have like been through the mud. You know, Mm -hmm. most of us have really, um, suffered a lot by questioning our faith. And, you know, I, I'm sure there's a lot of reasons of why they're commenting on it. Some, I'm sure that they can't help but notice. I'm sure their numbers are going down. Plus, I think a lot of things are mimetic. Yeah. You know, Keith and I do it. I'm not going to, well, I'll speak for Keith on this because I, we try to, I mean, sometimes you write because you have something to say and it's, you're going to write no matter if no one's going to listen or not. But a lot of times you write or you create content because you hope people are going to listen and they can't help but notice that, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of people paying attention to deconstruction, both pros and cons. And so, if you comment on it from an evangelical place, you're going to get a lot of clicks. I'm not saying that's exactly why people do things, but as a content creator, that's that's a part of why you do things. You try to have a target audience, and you can't help but notice it. We made the joke like if the Gospel Coalition is paying attention to deconstruction and writing a book on it, now I mean, at least they've got we've got their attention. Yeah, exactly. And so to me, it's a, it's actually good news. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the old line in the church used to be, Satan doesn't pay attention to somebody who's not effective, right? There you go. He's not going to waste his weapons on somebody who's not doing something. And so, you know, it, it seems like we've co- obviously caught their attention or this movement that we're all a part of has caught their attention. But One of the things that I always want to do when I hear criticism, and that's what this feels like to me, because I feel like these are these are our people, right? These are this is the community that we're a part of that they're attacking. Yeah. First thing I always want to ask at criticism is: Is there any truth to it? Have you heard any of the pushback that rings true to you? Ah, that's that's tough because I'm sure there's some of it, but it just it misses the mark like ninety percent of the time that it's hard to. 
I mean, I'm sure there are progressives or there's people who are deconstructing who do fall into the stereotypes they're creating. But most of the time, as we discuss um, in a recent podcast we did, like it's, it seems to be nothing more than a straw man or, or it's at least the lowest hanging fruit. Like, oh, I might know someone who deconstructed who this, they did it for this reason and it was a stupid reason. And then they gravitate to that and, and, and kind of create this narrative that isn't true for 99% of us. Yeah, it's, it's tough because I think, I guess most of what I hear is just so inaccurate. It's, you know, like, like Alyssa Childers is like the worst one, you know, like, or, or, um, Mike Winger or, or, or Sean McDowell, like, uh, yeah, I mean, it just frustrates me because they come across, they, they, they present themselves like, Hey everybody, I just want to tell you what's going on and I'm being objective and here's what's really happening. And then they will just make these wide sweeping thing, you know, statements that are like, no, not even close to true. And it's frustrating to me that you won't even attempt to try to figure out what's really going on and what people really think and why people are really asking these questions or rejecting this theology or whatever. So like, I guess like you're saying, Matt, like maybe one or two things, like I just saw, I saw a meme the other day or something along the lines of like, um, you know, no, I didn't leave. I didn't abandon my faith so I could have sex and do drugs and drink alcohol. I mean, yeah, I, I have sex and and do drugs and drink alcohol, but that's not why I left. <laughs> and, uh, so, so you know what I mean? They it's were like, doing all that in the church. They were just hiding it there. They were just hiding it. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I guess, yeah, again, like I, I talked to so many people who are deconstructing. And when I hear their reasons for deconstructing, it's like those people resonate with me. Those people, um, they know it's because, you know, they were tired of, being afraid of God or, uh, you know, just having these things that didn't make sense and trying to find out the truth and, you know, trying to understand how, you know, these things make sense. And, and so, you know, they, they rejected this, this theology and these different beliefs for very good reasons. And usually for scriptural reasons, like a lot of them, you know, it's, they're actually getting more clarity on what the scriptures really say. Uh, they're actually, you know, they're, they're moving closer to a connection with a, like a Jesus, a Jesus that's, that acts and sounds and behaves much more like the one we see in the Gospels and less like the one that, you know, uh, carries a shotgun and <laughs> and uh, wears a MAGA hat or whatever. All right. So on the off chance that you two accidentally get invited to speak to the Gospel Coalition annual conference. Oh, thank you, God. Then the, then the end of the world is upon us. <laughs> Let's just with you. There'll be an actual crucifixion. Yeah. <laughs> What do you want these leaders to understand about the people that you know who are evolving spiritually? That they that they really don't seem to know us. Yep. We can talk doctrine, we can talk the Bible, we can talk all these sort of things. But at the end of the day, you need to get to know people and know where they're coming from before you can say anything about what they're doing, what you think they're doing. It's like, it's like the people who aren't LGBTQ affirming and, and they might know like one gay person, but they've never really gotten to know people who are uh, without any sort of baggage or anything. Like they're not bringing anything, any sort of, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Agenda to the friendship. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's the same sort of thing. Like I rarely see if I've ever seen, I think I maybe saw one video with Sean McDowell where he spoke with a, a deconstructing or progressive Christian. Yeah. Most of the time they speak about us, but not to us. Yes. And I say that if you want to get to know what's going on, you need to, you get to, you need to get to know us. 
Yeah, uh, that I totally agree with that. I think that's exactly right. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, specifically what I wish they would they knew about people who are deconstructing, I guess, would be kind of like what I said a second ago. Like, you know, like it, it was when I first started that square one group. Uh, and I had people going through the group. It was funny because there were several times people would say, like, I remember one guy specifically, his name was Mike. And he was, he was saying, you know, he's deconstructing his faith, but his wife, um, loves the church that they were going to and wasn't deconstructing, wasn't having the same kind of doubts. And his oldest son, who was like in his twenties, also, you know, loved the church and had a real strong faith, uh, you know, evangelical kind of Calvinist reformed faith. And Mike's biggest concern was, he says, you know, I don't, I don't want my kid, I don't want my wife to go through the pain that I've gone through uh, deconstructing. And so it was like, I just thought it was so fascinating and so beautiful. Like his first concern wasn't, oh, I need to convince them that I'm right and show them that they're wrong. It was more like, man, this, this deconstruction thing is so painful. It hurts so much. It, it's caused so much anxiety and pain in my own life. Like I wouldn't want it. I wouldn't want my kid to go through this. So that, so he was like wanting to protect his son from going through the same kind of doubts he was having. And I just thought that was really beautiful. Like that's not at all what I think someone from the gospel coalition could understand. You know, because uh, they, they, they tend to demonize people deconstructing. They see them as people that uh, just want to tear it all down and ruin it for everybody else or whatever. And um, yeah, and I think a lot of people are, who are going through it, it's it's so painful for them that they don't want necessarily the people that they love to go through the same kind of painful process because for them, it's been so painful. It feels like 90% of the people that I talk to in, who are, who's, are evolving spiritually, their views have changed over the years and some in dramatic ways that has cost them relationships with other people. Uh, because they were pushed out of the circles yeah. that they yeah. were comfortable in. That's right. They didn't choose this. No. And so that's the thing that I wish these leaders could understand is the vast majority of the people in this community did not choose this. This is not something that they just thought, you know, well, hey, on Friday, I'm going to start deconstructing my faith, you know, and they <laughs> scribbled it into their little planner. Yeah. No, nobody does that. I mean, I, I, I get asked all the time, you know, well, how did you start your deconstruction? The damn house burned down around me. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. in the most in the most ironic ways. It's very Calvinist, like it's yeah. it's election. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's a great point, Jason. Like that's that's sort of like the uh, you know, tell me you don't understand deconstruction without without saying you don't understand deconstruction. And that's probably the number one thing. It's like whenever they do these videos or, or write these blog posts that say, now before you deconstruct, listen to this, like. What do you mean before I deconstruct? Like I could just decide, oh, today I'm going to deconstruct. Like, no, half the, I mean, most of us are like, I'm already into the second or third domino that's already fallen before I even processed that I was questioning the first one. It was like, I started questioning, you know, inerrancy of scripture. And then that led to the doctrine of eternal torment. And then that led to doubting penal substitution. And the next thing I know, I'm like wondering, you know, what is it, you know, oh, what about the end times? And like, I, it's just like, boom, 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 boom. And that's why so many people, like, I, I get questions all the time from people who are going through deconstruction. And one of the questions they'll ask me is, when does it end? Because they feel out of control. They feel like it's happening to them. They don't feel like they're they're the ones doing it. It's sort of like, I just, it is a slippery slope in the sense of like, I just, I took a step over here. And like, next thing I know, I'm 
flying down the hill and I don't know, I don't know how to make it quit, how to make it stop. So yeah, it's not at all something that you're in control of when it's, when it's happening to you. And it, like you said, it's certainly nothing that you would say, I think I'm going to deconstruct today. Why don't I just do that? Well, and, and to hear these people criticizing deconstruction while holding up Paul as the bastion of faith, there's an irony about that. I mean, you see deconstruction happening throughout the entire written account in the New Testament of the journey of Paul, right? I mean, he, first he starts off talking about he's just as good as any other apostle and don't tell him he's not. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's did the least of the apostles. And before it's over, he's the king of sinners, or at least mm-hmm. in the writings that we have. This guy was obviously on a spiritual evolution, mm-hmm. just like we all are. Yeah. And if I'm honest, I really think that I've been deconstructing, deconstructing since the first day I walked down the aisle at West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene and prayed and asked Jesus into my heart. My faith has shifted inch by inch every year since that profession of faith. Yeah, that's a great point. Like when Paul says, what in Romans 12, all right, um, he talks about renewing your mind. And it's like, how are you, how can you possibly renew your mind if you never allow any, any, one to question, or if you don't even question your own assumptions and beliefs, right? I, even the idea, like the, the first thing that Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, right? He kicks off his entire ministry by saying what? Metanoia. Think again. Think differently, right? Challenge the way you think. So the, to me, the entire Christian process is metanoia. It is a constant questioning and, you know, reframing and reconsidering. And I think that's actually, you're right. I think that's the way it should be. And that's why in many ways, I kind of feel like this whole deconstruction movement is, for lack of a better term, uh, it's kind of like a a spirit-led revival. I feel like if, you know, God is saying, tear down all this man-made crap. And if people really want God, they don't, you know, these other things are, if anything, are keeping them from an experience of God that's real and and vibrant and and you know helpful and healthy and all that. So that's just my opinion. Well, and it's 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 also a great irony that you know evangelicals will always pray for a great revival and a great <laughs> awakening. And I, I I'm not I'm not going to go so far as to say that's what this is, but I will go so far as to say if it happened, they would be the last to recognize it. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I remember hearing a leader of the uh, Church of God. The Cleveland, Tennessee Church of God, not the Anderson, Indiana Church of God. Oh, yeah. Thank just you. in case you're wondering. Thanks for clarifying. Um, yeah, I was wondering yes, about that. I know you were wondering, Matt. Um, I remember hearing him saying years ago that so often the greatest critics of the next move of God were the leaders of the last move of God. That is exactly right. That's exactly right. I thought that was very self-aware because he himself had been a leader of a major revival in Pentecostalism. So this uh, this this reminds me of a meme I just saw. It's where uh, Ricky Bobby is praying, you know, in uh, Talladega Nights, you know. He says, Lord, send revival, bring us back to Jesus. And then Christians start deconstructing things that aren't like Jesus, talking about love, learning church history, questioning tradition, studying context and the attendance scripture, writers, etc. No, Lord, not like that. Because it's like, yes, like, this is exactly what's happening. People are... involved in a spiritual renewal. We don't call it that. Maybe we should. I mean, part of it maybe is the name, right? Because we call it deconstruction. People have made a big deal about the terminology. You know, oh, deconstruction is the wrong way. I don't like that term, whatever. The terminology is less important. What's actually happening is that people are having sort of a spiritual renewal. Um, They're going through this incredible process of, of questioning things and throwing out things that are toxic and 
embracing things that are, are more loving and more beautiful and more Christ-like. And so um, I think more of that, we need more of that. And I, here's the thing, it's, it's, it's not like anybody can stop it. That's what I think is beautiful about it. This is why like, I almost kind of laugh when I see the Gospel Coalition or Alyssa Childers, all these people making videos. And I know what they're trying to do is to stop uh, this massive flood that is coming down the, you know, the channel. And I'm just watching them trying to stop it you know, by holding up cardboard boxes or something. It's like, nope, sorry, uh, you're not going to stop it. It's, it's, it's already so far. It's made it so far down now at this point that has so much momentum. There's just no way for it, for them to stop it. Uh, and so maybe, hopefully, uh, what's going to happen soon will be a shift of sort of like we can't, if you can't beat them, join them. This is funny because I live in El Paso now, right? Which is not that big of a place. It's kind of a small, out of the way little town. So I'm driving down the road and Wendy and I were coming back today from, from, uh, having lunch and we're driving, we drove by this church and they have a little scrolling marquee and the scrolling marquee said spiritual reconstruction join us for a new series this starting this sunday dealing with questions and faith and doubt and i was like well <laughs> holy crap dude you know that it's gotten out of control when a when a like a baptist church in el paso texas is going to do a an entire sermon series on deconstruction uh, yeah, here it comes. I haven't thought about the fact that that some people will jump on board because, yeah, I'm, that's that's crazy. That story. <laughs> it it's really coming. is. It reminds me of twenty years ago. All the churches in Alabama were changing their names from the denominational names, right? Yeah. And they they became relevant church or <laughs> had relevant in the name. Yeah. And there's no better way to tell your community that you are absolutely irrelevant <laughs> than by naming your church relevant church. Right. Yeah. And so it feels like folks are trying to chime in and jump on this bandwagon because it's kind of the... I don't know, the it phrase or whatever. You know, it's getting a lot of traction online, especially in social media. And so they're like, oh, we're relevant. We have an opinion about this. Uh, let me warn you about how dangerous this is. And there's just no better confession that <laughs> so many of these leaders and organizations are pretending to have a relevance they haven't had in years. That's right. Than to come against uh, deconstruction. It's almost like you go back to when, when people are saying, oh, you're doing it for street cred, you're doing it for this and that. And it's like, wait, that sounds like projection to me because right now you're the number one article on Gospel Coalition. Oh, <laughs> you have you have 120,000 subs on YouTube and you're, all your videos are about deconstruction. It's like, okay, I kind of yeah. see what's going on here. You think we're doing it for street cred, but really... That's we're losing relationships, doing. we're losing communities, we're struggling interpersonally. We're, we're dealing with our demons. Yep. But y'all are accusing us of these things, but it's like, wait a minute, your numbers look pretty good. <laughs> your clickbaity <laughs> click titles are doing pretty well. Right. And see, that's also the danger of, of this kind of thing too, of like, so on the one hand, if churches, like this one down the street from me, I'm so tempted to like pop my head in and see what they're going to do. Uh, how they're going to handle it. Hi, my name is Keith Giles. I actually <laughs> teach a course about this. <laughs> hey, everybody, if you're curious, yeah, uh, come talk to me in the parking lot. So, you know, because on the one hand, they could, I guess it, it's going to depend, you know, it's going to change pastor to pastor and church to church. But I think there are some churches that would address it in ways that would be helpful, right? That would genuinely wrestle with the questions and would maybe even, maybe the pastor, because we, you and I know, we all know, a whole lot of pastors are deconstructing themselves. Um, and many of them 
you know, privately. So maybe some of these pastors could see this as an opportunity to like, well, let me float out here to my congregation. The fact that maybe I have, I'm not a hundred percent on penal substitution, or maybe there are other views on the atonement than that, or maybe I, you know, so it could be a good thing in the long run. There could be some pastors who could kind of use this as an opportunity to have real conversations and back away from some of the toxic theology, maybe. But, but I think my the pessimist in me assumes that probably most of them are going to use it to uh, attract numbers. Like, oh, they're doing a exactly for what you're saying, Matt. It's like it's talking about street cred, right? It's like, oh, Pastor Bob is going to do a series on deconstruction on Sunday. Let's go because we all we're all afraid of it. We're all scared of it. We don't know what this crazy thing is, this new boogeyman, and he's going to uh, assuage our fears. He's going to calm us down, let us know we're safe, we're right, they're wrong. And and so I think there's going to be a whole lot of that as well, where it's just going to be a continuation of this demonization of the deconstruction movement, a whole lot of straw men that are set up of like, they just, they just don't believe in truth. They just want to, you know, sin or whatever. And, um, and it's going to make them feel really good about themselves and uh, kind of justify their scapegoating, continual scapegoating of people who have genuine questions that they don't want to answer. So do you guys think that we're giving these church leaders, like we're describing, exactly what they want by calling them out by name, retweeting their quotes, writing responses to them? The three of us, along with several others, actually wrote a book in response to the Gospel Coalition. Yes. Um, are, are we doing, are we playing right into their hands by calling them out like that? Hmm. Honestly, I don't, I don't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly the answer expected from you. Like, hey, I, let's just be real. Like, I write books. I want people to read them. Like, yes. so, yeah, yeah if, if right. people are going to pay attention to it, I want to help people. That's why we wrote Before You Lose Your Mind. But it was also a clever way to clap back at Before You Lose Your Faith, which is the Gospel Coalition's book. And if they notice it, fuck, great. Our sales have done good. It probably boosted their sales. I don't care. I want people to like, this is the, this is the frustration of what we said on our last podcast, me and Keith, I'd rather have the conversation with these folks who don't want to have a conversation with us. Right. Not that I don't want to talk to Keith, but I'd, I, I would almost rather, I'd rather take a week off from our podcast. If Keith had the opportunity to talk to Elisa Yep. and be like, go for it, dude. Like this is an opportunity to have the actual conversation. So if other people notice it, I think like the, it's not that it's, it's not that we're trying to do apologetics for deconstruction, but we want it to be at least presented fairly so people can wrestle with it themselves rather than hear the straw men that they perpetually say they're not creating. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, um, I totally agree with Matt. I mean, that's been my frustration is like, I, I catch myself, right? I, I, I leave comments, uh, on Alyssa Childers videos and, and Sean McDowell's videos. I try to correct when I, when they say something that isn't right or say, no, nope, we don't believe that or, or no, it's not that it's this. And, um, but I, I don't know. I don't think like Matt and I or you, Jason, you know, our, our podcasts or our books are, helping them in any way. If anything, I think it's the opposite. I think we're what they're afraid of, you know, like, because again, this is the reason why they won't have any of us on their show, 
because again, you know, like I wouldn't, I would be totally happy to have any of them on our podcast. I've invited Sean McDowell, by the way. I invited him to be a, a guest on the Heritage Cap Air podcast, and he turned me Whoa, down flat. You did wait. You did not run yes, that I, by. I, I, well, I was, I was going to ask him first, and if he said yes, then I was going to come to you. But he, but uh, no, don't worry about it. He said absolutely not. And so, so you got to ask though, why? That, that, see, like Matt said, this is the thing. Why won't they talk to us? We would totally love to talk to them. We would have any and all of them on our podcast because we, none of us are afraid on, on the progressive deconstruction side. We're not afraid that, oh my gosh, if, what if one of our listeners or some, a bunch of our listeners, right, on Heritage Capier, let's say, what if they heard Sean McDowell or Mike Winger or Alyssa Childers and they said, oh my gosh, he makes so much sense. I'm going to become now an evangelical or I'm going to become like a fundamentalist. Have you know, fun. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> well, first of all, I think well, I have confidence that that's not going to happen. Why? Because our listeners already, they understand that. They left that. That's what they walked Been away there, from. they done that. Yes. Got the wristband. But see, they are, they're terrified that their listeners are going to find out about you know, Matt's books and my books, they're terrified that they're going to go, oh, there's this Heretic Happy Hour, there's this Messy Spirituality podcast. Um, they're terrified because that's why they they keep, you know, sounding the alarm and like uh, acting like there's this big boogeyman of the deconstruction movement that's going to, uh, you know, attack, quote unquote, historic Christianity. Because, you know, they, because they're afraid that people are going to get answers from us the real answers, right? Because they, they want to keep giving people these fake answers and these these false uh, explanations and reasons for why progressives or people deconstructing reject the Bible or, or have a different view of scripture or don't believe in eternal conscious torment or whatever. They, the last thing they want is to have someone give a very reasoned, even scriptural, you know, support for like, hey, here's 76 Bible verses that support universal reconciliation. That's, you know what I mean? Like, that's their worst nightmare. I almost wonder if that pastor that you mentioned there in El Paso at the Baptist Church, if he did basically out himself <laughs> yeah. as someone who was deconstructing. And we're not saying that's the case. If you happen to know this church, we're not talking about them. I don't know anything about them. But if he did come out and say, you know what, I've been deconstructing some things and I'm starting to wonder about this doctrine or this doctrine. If he was transparent and honest in that way, I honest to God believe it would shut down the church. Oh, absolutely. Or at least he'd be out of a job. I mean, oh, yeah. the way yeah. Southern Baptist churches were, he was the church, right? Yeah, it could. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. I mean, that might be the best possible scenario it would be a split because uh, other than him just getting fired and then him, them replacing him. Because if... um you know, if he's got enough people who love him and care about him, and maybe they also are having questions, then yeah, maybe they would come with him, and then he'd start another church down the road or something. I, yeah, I don't know, man. Like I said, I'm, I'm as we're talking, I pulled up that church's website, and it's it's on their website, reconstructing faith. It's like the big banner on their website. So they are they're going all in on this series here. Yeah, I, either, either it could be the fact that in the most um, in the, in the most Derrida sense, they're actually deconstructing the word deconstructing to then change. They're going to re- kind of hijack the term and then put it in their terms of how they're going to present it. Right. right. Yeah. That's and they're going to say it's a good thing, but this is how it's a good thing. And it's going to have nothing to do with the actual people deconstructing. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so how do we become so, def- or how do we avoid becoming so defensive of deconstruction or our own experience to the point that it becomes just another us versus them where they're scapegoating us and we start scapegoating them. How do we avoid that? Wow. 
Well, we can't. We yeah, that's a tough answer. We, we can't avoid it, um, the propensity to do that. We just have to be aware, and we have to realize that if we want to take our deconstruction seriously, if we want to take our spiritual journey seriously, it's not that we have to accept a hundred percent the things that people believe, but we we should accept where they are and not not hold, not do what the fundamentalists do with doctrine and hold deconstruction in the same way. And just realize that you want to teach the truth, you want to share the, the truth, but you want to avoid proselytizing. And so the people, there's, I, I don't know if it's a koan or if it's just a proverb of some sort, it's like the student seeks out the teacher. So don't go looking for new converts or this and that. People who want to hear the message, will seek it out. And those will be the ones who are ready to receive anything that's different than what the church has taught them. Yeah, Jason, I don't know. that. Are you State your question again. I want to make sure I'm, I'm answering your question specifically. I, I'm just trying to figure out how do we avoid becoming so just defensive of the word deconstruction or the movement? I mean, in my mind, it makes absolute sense to stand up for the people yeah. that are affected by these criticisms. Yeah. But I don't want to just become, you know, the anti-gospel coalition or the, right. the, the I don't want to be anti those people who are raising these concerns and criticisms, uh, which, you know, that kind of goes against everything else I've said on this podcast episode <laughs> so far. But I don't want to just become... I don't want to scapegoat them the way it feels like they're scapegoating us. And so I'm just, yeah. I'm wondering, is there a way around that? Is there a way to not do to them what they are doing to us? Yeah. Okay. Great question. And um, I feel very called out right now. And uh, I repent of our first two episodes of the uh, Apostates Anonymous podcast. <laughs> Uh, Which hasn't even been released yet. It's not even out yet, damn it. I warned you, dude. I gave, you decided to come on the show. Uh, it is what it is. Um, well, okay. But here's what I do personally. Like anytime Matt and I have done these reactions, we, we, we did a couple of reaction videos on YouTube to like Sean McDowell a couple of times. And, and we've done some Melissa Childers stuff. And one of the episodes, the second episode of Apostates Anonymous, we do uh, a reaction video to, to Alyssa. And here's what I try to do. Uh, personally, is I really do try to give them the benefit of the doubt. You know what I mean? I try to say, look, I, I know why they believe this. I understand why they feel like when they use terminology, like Alyssa used in the last thing we did, she used this. She says, you know, it's a threat. Uh, this progressive view of God uh, as a mystery or whatever is a threat to the gospel. And now I think it's ridiculous to say that. I do not think it's, it's absolutely not a threat. But I understand from her perspective why she thinks it is, right? And so I, I, I just personally have tried to not, like, I don't, I don't think Alyssa's a bad person. I don't think Sean, in fact, I, I think Sean McDowell's a great guy. That's one of the reasons why I've even engaged with him at all, because he's actually the only one that's actually responded back to me. But you know what I mean? Like, I, I give them the benefit of the doubt. I think, hey, when I believed what they believed the, for the reasons they believe it, um, I probably act, I'm not, I probably, I'm not probably, I did. I acted the same way. I absolutely did act the same way. And, um, so I get it. You know, I understand it. I, so like, I'm not, I'm not as upset at them as I am with this theology or with this system, right? With this, this very toxic teaching that permeates evangelical American evangelical Christianity. That's what I'm against. And so what, what the reason, it's sort of like, you know, hey, so this episode, we're going to talk about Alyssa Childers' specific video where she says, blah, blah, blah. 
but you know it's never just her it's the entire movement it's the it's every single pastor in the pulpit who teaches this stuff and again it's not even them it's the way they've been taught the way they've been raised they're starting in sunday school and then their parents and their pastors and then their seminary teachers and like everything and i went through all that stuff i know exactly wh- where it comes from and what it's all about so i guess for me i try to focus my energy on tearing down the argument or the idea or the mis- misperception rather than tearing down the person who just happens to be the one, you know, repeating it. All right. So with all of us in this conversation being universalists of one sort or another, at least I, last I heard, yeah, um, so. I'm guessing that we all think that whatever form eternity takes we are all going to spend eternity with Matt Chandler, John MacArthur, uh, Mark Driscoll, yes, John Piper, yes. Alyssa Childers of the world, these That's right. folks. That's right. So what is the right way for us to interact with them today uh-huh. on this side? That not all, I, I feel like when I see those criticisms, my first thought is uh, this young lady that I know whose family disowned her, whose church kicked her out, who has been to hell and back because she became a more true version of herself yep. by evolving in her faith. Yep. And so it makes me want to, it makes me want to punch them in the face, to be <laughs> honest with you. Uh, on behalf, you know, this righteous indignation, I just want to, I want to defend the people I know who have suffered every minute of their deconstruction journey Yeah, that are being targeted. And, and And I do think that there needs to be some justice in some way or another, but how in in the midst of that do we also work for reconciliation and peace? Is that even possible? So I, I yeah I have a um, delayed eschatology. So moving, <laughs> I don't want to deal with it now. Um, no, I mean like healthy boundaries are, are important. Like yeah, you want to smack them around a bit. You want to take them to task, either in their to their face or online if if that's all you're allowed to do or able to do. But at the end of the day, like that's not going to benefit anything. Like, um, almost like, I mean, it sounds bad, but like you just not even, not even engage and it'll work itself out when it works itself out. And it doesn't have to be now just be there for the people that they've harmed and not focus your attention on the people who are doing the harming so much. I mean, there needs to be some of that, but there also needs to be some really healthy boundaries. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, That's a great, the way you phrase that question, Jason, is beautiful because it is true, you know, the day, I believe, the day is going to come that uh, all those people, John MacArthur, John Piper, uh, Lisa Childers, all of them, they're going to, you know, wake up one day, (laughs) they're going to, they're going to pass from this life, they're going to stand before Christ, they're going to realize, oh my gosh, God is better than I thought God was. God is more loving, more compassionate, more giving, more for, more forgiving. God was really serious that he was going to transform everyone, you know, make, make all things new. And I think they're going to be overwhelmed with incredible sadness and disappointment and like, damn, I can't believe I spent so much of my energy and time playing these us and them games and marginalizing so many people in the church. Like, I, they're just going to feel like crap, you know what I mean? Uh, at least for a little bit. And then, but then they're going to be, then they're going to be redeemed and restored. And they're going to be like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I was wrong. So, you know, maybe in some ways keeping that in the back of your mind when you, when you are trying to deal with those people and those things they're saying could help a little bit in the way 
you approach them is because you recognize that, well, I, I think I'm, I think that I, I, God is better than you think God is. And I can't wait for the day that you realize that. Cause then it won't be like, and I told you so, na, 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 right? It'll for be for like, a little bit, for a little bit, it will. <laughs> Except for Matt over there in the Except corner Matt, of heaven. Right. It'll be more thumbing, like thumbing my nose at them. <laughs> <laughs> well, F you, Piper. <laughs> well, but see, here's the thing even that part, the, that part in me right now that would want to behave that way is also something that would be redeemed and restored from me. Like, that part of me would be transformed. So by the time that happened, I wouldn't want to do that. I would just be so thrilled that they got it and that we were all there together. And you know what I mean? That that it all kind of came together. But but we're not there yet, like you said, Jason. And in the moment when you know there are people that are being hurt by these people, uh, it's hard not to be angry and not to be upset. And Jason, I'm sorry, Matt, that was a great response. Like focus on helping the people who are getting hurt at this point. Uh, because yeah, the chances of us you know, I, the things that we're doing, like the things Matt and I are trying to do on the bar podcast and things like that. Yeah, it's in lieu of having a direct conversation with these people, because we know we probably won't get to have a direct conversation with those people. And even if we ever did have a direct conversation with those people, it's the same thing like when I do debates with people online. I know there is like 0% chance that I'm going to change the mind of that person I'm debating or whatever that topic is. That's, But it's not about that. It's about I want to talk to behind them, all the people behind them, all the people that listen to them. I want to be able to say to their followers the things that, that, you know, Alyssa will never say to them, like, hey, did you know that historic Christianity didn't begin in the 1500s? Did you know that, you know, the church for the first 400 years uh, embraced universal reconciliation? Like, that's, that's what I want to say. That's what I want to talk to. So even when we do engage these topics and, and, and try to engage with these people, it's not about changing their minds in, in this time, in this moment. It's really more about talking to the people that listen to them or that follow them who might also be having questions and kind of just want answers that they're not going to get from, from any of them. Yeah. I just keep reminding myself that while their platforms are so much bigger than I ever thought about in Christian ministry, yeah, these guys are exactly where I was five or 10 years ago. That's right. They are exactly where I was. They're they're. I mean, I believed everything that they're defending and it's crumbling all around them. And yeah. so I know that in the end, uh, people are going to evolve in their faith. That's just, that's just an, I mean, there are people sitting in their pews yep. are evolving in their faith as we speak. And so I have no concern about, yo, know, they're going to stamp out this movement. I don't even care about a movement. I care about the people involved. And so I just try to remind myself, I've been there. And so much of what I get mad at in them is because I'm really, really uh, feeling ashamed of the way I was. Back yeah, so. that's right. There's there's a part of it too, like forgiving yourself for mm-hmm. you know all the things that when you, back when you believed it and the people that you said those things to and taught those things the same way. Yeah, that's part of it. And and yeah, it's it's a good reminder. I like what you said, Jason. It just you know makes me think like the people. There's it's a system. And there's always going to be people who want to defend the system. And the people we've mentioned today and on our shows, me and Keith's, they're just the people who happen to be a part of that system that want to defend it. So there's always going to be that. And we just have to become people that don't need to defend our system. Just if you have a good argument, put the argument forth. And if someone doesn't like it, that's okay. They're not, they're not ready to accept it. And, and um, you know, forever's a long time and maybe they will be. 
Very good. Guys, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. I've really, really loved having this conversation with both of you. Yeah. Well, thanks, thanks for thanks for coming on the show, Jason. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks for hey, uh, since, <laughs> since I'm guesting on your show now. Now, um, what what tell us about Apostates Anonymous. Now, Matt, how is this different than the Apostates Anonymous that I was on as a guest, you know, a year or two ago? Well, I guess, I mean, it's the same name and I'm one of the hosts. We just, re, um, I took time off of it because I was so busy. And then when I thought about doing it again, I thought, well, it'd be kind of fun to have Keith on instead of just doing it myself and to kind of make it, it's still like super conversational like this, but we added some, uh, we added some maybe some professional editing quality to make it more of a show and um, kind of try to make it fresh and new. And it's, I mean, it's the same, it's the same vibe. Like if you like the Heretic Happy Hour, you're going to like this show because we're, we're real and we ask real questions and we try to be raw and we're cool with making mistakes. And we'll, if we say something stupid, we'll come back on the next episode and be like, Hey, that was stupid. I shouldn't have said that. Or I was wrong there. Like, it's just, it's the same vibe as the Heretic Happy Hour. It's the same vibe as this show. Like, Let's let's be messy about our spirituality and be okay with that. Yeah. Not to, not to take I'm not trying to take your title. Don't worry. <laughs> How about it? Yeah. Uh, and it's going to release on an every other Tuesday. Is that right? And now, Heretic Happy Hour releases every other Tuesday. So these are the, the alternate Tuesdays? That's right. That's You've right. got it, buddy. That's right. Awesome. Keith, what are you working on now? Too many things. I'm working on my next book. Uh, this is not a book from the Jesus Un series. So my first book, uh, sort of like, something totally different and brand new. I'm so excited about this book. I'm about halfway through it right now. It's on, um, I don't have a title for sure, but it's in the in general, it's about embracing mystery and, um, you know, getting, moving away from these ideas of certainty and that we, like we have God figured out because none of, none of us does. So anyway. Oh, that, I do. Well, okay. I mean, well, Matt does. Nobody but Matt. That's right. Thank you. And uh, I'm doing tons of podcasts. It's like it, when Matt came to me and said, hey, would you be willing to, co-host uh, Apostates Anonymous with me again. I Honestly, I don't think I thought about it for more than 10 seconds. I just said yes. Uh, it was like instant. Well, you're going to regret that, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> he already does. But, uh, <laughs> no, I don't. It's been so much fun. It really has. I mean, I mean, this is the thing, like Matt and I have been doing Heretic Happy Hour for what now? Three years? That's over four. Four years, my gosh. Our fifth, this is our fifth year, dude. Oh, holy moly. And it's, you know what, here's the thing about Heretic Happy Hour. It's, it is a blast. It's so much fun. And it really is, it's effortless in many ways. I mean, now, we put a lot of work into it. Don't get me wrong. But it doesn't feel like work. It's it's just a lot of fun doing the, the Heretic Happy Hour. And so a chance to like, let's just have more fun. Like Matt and I love talking to each other. And, and um, I think we work well together. We are having a blast on this podcast. So uh, I can't wait for people to hear it. It's going to be so much fun. All right, everybody, you're going to find a link to Apostates Anonymous in the show notes for this episode. You'll also find links to Matthew J. DeStefano and Keith Giles' social media and websites. Uh, Matt, you got anything else that you're working on that you want to talk about before we go? I'll just make sure to check out my OnlyFans site. <laughs> also wait, 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 wait. Why, why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? <laughs> no, um, yeah, I've, I mean, I've always got books, so there's always going to be books, and uh, yeah, my blog, I've been doing a lot of satire. So if you're into satire, go over to my blog. Uh, Jason, be kind enough to link there if you would. I will do that. Oh, can I, can I, can I put in one, one last plug? Sure. God Please. damn it. Well, no, this is kind of cool. Um, <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> so I'm doing this event in March in Nashville called Awaken 2022. 
And it's like, a, it's me and Jim Palmer and a ton of other choir authors like Michelle Collins, December Rose, Todd Vick, Brandon Dragon. Derek Webb is going to be doing music for the event. Um, this thing is going to be so much fun. I'm so excited about it. It's March 18th and 19th. Uh, it's a, a church called Sparrow, S-P-E-R-O, not the bird sparrow, but S-P-E-R-O, Sparrow Day means something in Latin. I have no idea. But it's an amazing church, a great location. Super excited about that. And so if anyone is in the Nashville area or would just like to be out there with us, Jason, I think you're going to be there, right? I have. Yeah, I've already bought my ticket. I'm there you excited. Go. So Jason Elam will be in the house as well. So it's going to be a blast. I'd love to see people there. So the whole focus of this conference is deconstruction, reconstruction. Uh, the speakers are incredible. The topics are going to be great. Uh, I'm just super excited about it. So yeah, just want to make sure people know about that. Yeah. And last thing, make sure you make sure you check out my uh, GoFundMe so you can fly me out to that event. <laughs> we we ought to get Matthew J. DeStefano there. Be I awesome. can't believe that he got left out of the lineup. That's I know. an insult. I don't, I don't do speaking engagements. Oh, okay. Yeah, you really don't. Why is that, man? What's the deal? Because y'all can't afford me. Oh, there you oh, go. Ooh, that makes right. total sense now, doesn't it? That's right. All right. <laughs> man, did I hear that you're writing a book with Michelle Collins? I've written a book with Michelle Collins. It's it's in the publisher's hands. Um, it's, in just, it's, it's, it's in the process. It's in the queue. Okay. What's it called? It's called Learning to Float. And it is a, a perfect title for what deconstruction is. Because you often don't get anywhere. You just learn how to not drown. There oh, you wow. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Do you know when that's going to release? No. <laughs> okay. 2022. I give you, I give you in, this, in this 2022 window. Fingers crossed. So sometime this year. Sometime this year. Okay, very good. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, Again, friends, you'll find links to everything in the show notes. This has been Messy Spirituality, and I am so grateful to have had this conversation with these guys today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Messy Spirituality Podcast. If you found it meaningful, please rate and review the show on iTunes or your podcast platform of choice. Join the conversation by following the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or joining our listener-exclusive Messy Conversations group on Facebook. Finally, check out Jason's weekly Pathios column at MessySpirituality.org. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back soon with another new episode.